Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... What? I don't under, I didn't understand a one word you said. Ron, are you okay? Ron. Ron, where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. Michael Preston. Another year, another year of feeling like Ron Burgundy after Washington State plays an FCS team. Not a good feeling, again, to be in a glass case of emotion after you lose to an admittedly much better FCS team that does have a history of playing FBS team stuff and, in fact, beating said FBS teams. But it still feels pretty crappy for it to happen the second year in a row. Still pretty crappy. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour. (laughs) I somehow dragged myself into doing this this week. Uh, Dave Southorn from the Idaho Statesman going to join us. Uh, here in a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, Idaho, or Idaho State. I wish we were playing Idaho State. Maybe I don't. Boise State. Uh, Boise, the Boise State Broncos, they beat uh, Louisiana Lafayette last weekend quite handily. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Broncos and what uh, we thought apparently was going to be Washington State's hardest uh, non-conference game of the season. Uh, and then as usual, we'll get into our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything. A little bit of an abbreviated show this week. It was always our plan. We were heading back from uh, North Carolina on Tuesday night. So we didn't quite have the time to put everything together for you this week. But uh, I, I hope you will still enjoy a not quite hour-long show. But uh, I don't think anybody's going to object too much if we don't spend <laughs> a full hour on uh, what went on on Saturday. Um, I, I mean, I'm, what the hell do you say? Where that where 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 the hell do I even start? Two years in a row, you lose to an FCS team at home in the opener. You just come out and you can't beat a team that, quite frankly, you should have an easy time beating. With an all new offensive line, a brand new starting quarterback, and a defense that was bad by football championship subdivision standards last year. And I, I'm not saying this to put all the blame on one unit or the other. The offense needs to score more than 35 points against that unit. And let's be honest, it was 35 points. That that garbage time touchdown that just made you feel better about it only being a one-possession loss to an FCS team. I, you know, okay, yeah, fine. They could have maybe scored if they recovered the onside kick. But it probably shouldn't have to come to that now, should it? The same way it shouldn't have to come about whether we're Argument whether than whether Jordan Descalzo false started on that kick near the end of the first half, or if Eric Powell had just made his field goal, whatever. It shouldn't come down to that in a game like this. You want to bitch about that during a game against Stanford, Washington, and pretty much anybody else on the schedule other than Idaho. We want to complain about that. Yeah, fine. Not in this game. Like I, I'm sorry. I, I I saw a few tweets of that on Saturday night. It, well, if Eric Powell had just done, made the field goal and they had just, you know, not allowed it. No. It shouldn't come down to that with an FCS team. I'm sorry. It just, I'm not interested in getting into the minutia of false starts on field goals or missed 40, you know, 39, 40-yard field goals from your starting kicker. And if that one thing had broken that way, then they would have been fine. No. I'm, no. 
Would I have felt better with a three-point win? Yeah, you bet, because it goes into the column on the left side of the record. But I I, I just, I don't care to get into the minutiae of stuff like that. This isn't a Pac-12 game. This isn't the Apple Cup. It's not a bowl game. You're playing an FCS team. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you, you need to win that football game handily. Now, fine. Eastern's a better football team than most FCS teams, but I, I don't think it's still unreasonable to expect at least a two-possession win against them. And every time the Eagles touched the football, it felt inevitable. What was going to happen? It just felt inevitable. The defense provided about as much resistance as Kevin Bacon during the parade in Animal House. Just, and that was pretty much all they were left to do. Stand there screaming all is well. I I have a hard time believing Shalom Luwani's absence had, you know, or his presence would have made such an incredible difference that they would have won that football game. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it would have. I mean, but maybe to go to Prukop's not running completely free with nobody around him, 20, yard, you know, 20 yards around him in the end zone. Not Dakota Prukop, I'm sorry, Cooper Cup. I don't know why I'm thinking about Dakota Prukop. Cooper Cup. Guy who's arguably the best receiver on this side of the Mississippi River. And I, and I, I, we said this last week that you need to know where this dude is at all times, and they did not. They had no friggin' idea where this guy was. And he's only now, statistically, in terms of touchdown catches, I think the best receiver in FCS history. It's not like this is just some normal FCS scrub that you don't know about that happened to torch you for that many yards. Like if that happens, is that forgivable? Yeah, maybe kinda. You didn't know about him. But Cooper Cup is a known commodity. He's a known commodity. Offensively against a defense that was not very good last year. Luke Falk looked timid at times. They got pressure on Luke Falk. I mean, I, I, I don't... What, what more is there to say about this? What more can I say about a football team losing to an FCS squad for the second year in a row? And I said this on Twitter Saturday night. Mike Leach isn't going to say it. None of the players are going to say it. Nobody's going to say it. It's humiliating. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. But if you go out and do that two years in a row, I, I, it, it, I, I don't know what the problem is with openers with this football team. O of their last five. Now, granted, they were playing better teams in the first three seasons. But you're playing two FCS teams in the last two. There's just no excuse. None. None. No excuse. No excuse at all for losing two years in a row to an FCS team. And it, it I, I know it shouldn't matter to the players or the coaches what the fans think because they need to keep the noise out. But you know what, guys? For God's sake... I mean, it is just the most humiliating crap on the planet. And I, quite frankly, it, it should be humiliating, I think, to them. To lose to a team like that. 
I don't care that, you know, fine, yeah, Eastern's a better team, but that's still a football game you should be winning. You should be winning that football game. I can't often say that about Washington State in many of the past few years, but you should win that football game. And you should win it easily. Like, really easily. But that defense, Alex Grinch got his lunch money stolen on Saturday. And now you go into this week against a team with a much better quarterback. And a quarterback who a lot of people at Washington State really wanted at Washington State and don't understand why he didn't end up at Washington State. Fine, you get Shalom Luwani back, but my goodness... Facing a guy like Brett Rippon week two after that happened, I have to give up 45 points in week one, doesn't exactly inspire confidence. And this, this is Boise State's biggest game of the year. Don't No two ways around this. Don't let Boise State fans tell you any differently. Don't let... It, it is their biggest game of the year Period. Look down their schedule. Maybe the only other one you might consider close is their October 20th matchup with BYU, but that's out of conference. They go to Oregon State next, Utah State, New Mexico, Colorado State, that BYU game, then Wyoming, San Jose State, Hawaii, UNLV, and Air Force. There's pretty much no reason they can't just run the table if they beat Washington State. And there's no reason to think they shouldn't. September 10th, one week into the season, WSU pretty much represents the most resistance for Boise State on this schedule. And let's be clear, a loss here against Washington State probably keeps them out of a BCS Bowl. So they come into this game knowing exactly what they need to do. And... Previous iterations of Boise State have shown, and we have plenty of examples of it, that this team rises to the occasion when they need to. You are not playing a team that does not have experience in that area. And this is not a good situation to be in coming off a loss to an FCS team. WSU at least got to go play Rutgers last year. A not very good team and a really not very good team this year. You at least got to go to Rutgers and play them. Last year. You get no sucks luxury this year. You have to go to Boise State and play a pretty damn good football team. And before the season had started, the disastrous non-conference schedule record was 1-2. and And there's a pretty dang good chance of that happening. And now you're talking about needing five wins in Pac-12 play to get to a bowl. A year after you went six and three in non-conference or in conference play. It's hard to emphasize how important these non-conference games are in terms of getting to a bowl game and how badly you need to win them Because your conference is not easy to win in. 
It is not easy to go 6-3 and three in the Pac-12 for Washington State, and they did that last year. You lose this game to Boise State, it will not be easy to go 5-4 and four in conference play. It will not be easy to go 6-3 and three in conference play. That is not easy. And you're putting yourself so far behind the eight ball now. Because quite frankly, with as talented as this offense is, and as talent, or you know, the, the defense did lose some talent, but for still as talented as they are, this kind of felt like the year. Because you don't get Gabe Marks back next year. You may not get Luke Falk back next year. You don't get River Craycraft back next year. You don't get Robert Lewis back next year. You lose a lot next year. You don't get Shalom Luwani back next year. It's not like this year where you did lose some talented people, but you thought maybe you could plug the holes a little bit. It is not easy to win in conference. That is why these non-conference games are so critical to getting to a bowl game and why you see Mike Leach schedule so soft in the non-conference schedule. We have marquee teams in the Pac-12 that we play each and every week. It's not as if it is a problem when it comes to playing really good teams in your conference schedule. We get really good teams. UCLA, USC, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, UW, Utah, Colorado now too. Both the Arizona schools. It is not like this is a problem Playing really good schools in the conference schedule. So you need to rack up these wins in non-conference play to make getting to a bowl game easier. One and two was the disaster scenario. And I really fear it's about to come true. They could come out and play out of their completely out of their minds and beat Boise State on Saturday. I have no idea. But I don't think it's unreasonable for me to not have the confidence that that will happen after what we saw on Saturday. It feel I can handle it a little better after last year against Portland State. It still feels rotten to have to handle it. To not know what the problem this team has with openers is. What the problem they have with FCS teams is. I really don't know. Maybe you need to not play teams with guys who got overlooked by your school for recruiting and have a chip on their shoulder. Go play North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, North Dakota. Go play Northern Colorado like you are in a few years. Go play Cal Poly. Go play UC Davis. Don't play teams with guys on it that might have gotten overlooked. Go play South Dakota. I, I Go play Northern Arizona. I mean, it's it's... For me, I guess it's just that simple. Hell, call New Mexico State and just pay them. I know Bill Moose doesn't want to, but just do it. It doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence going into this weekend. And I know this has been basically 15 minutes of... <laughs> this has not been an exciting 15 minutes. But to call this weekend a must-win might be a bit of an understatement. It's going to be very hard to win five times in the Pac-12. Very hard. And that's even assuming they get past Idaho the following weekend, which, my God, if they don't, holy cow. But we'll worry about Boise State. One game at a time, right, guys? Just like the players and coaches. Dave Southern, 
Idaho Statesman. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Boise State Broncos when we return on the Coop Center Hour. Back here on the Kook Center Hour, an abbreviated show this week because of our time spent on the East Coast and the humidity and golfing. And I should have probably just stayed out there, but we had to come back to talk to Dave Southern from the Idaho Statesman. He covers Boise State football for them. And Dave, uh, it, it probably just would have been a better idea for me to keep golfing uh, after last Saturday for Washington State, right? <laughs> probably. You know, I, I guess, you know, you kind of now it's that's become a trend for you guys at least. So, yeah. you know, maybe that means you're going to win nine, win nine games again. So, you got that going for you. You know what? I, I say from now on we just forfeit the first one and we'll just play 11 in the regular season from now on. That, that works for me. Uh, Dave, oh, I want to. Cool. I mean, yeah, they played 11 games in the, in the old days. So, yeah. there you go. Oh, no, 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 works for me. Uh, I want to start with something more general, Dave. Uh, BSU um, was just kind of. The the door got shut on this uh, round of Big 12 expansion, which I think has now taken 15 years uh, for the Big 12 to expand. But um, the, the door kind of got shut on that. And I know there's at least a little sentiment that Boise State belongs in a bigger conference. What did that kind of do for the fan base to, you know, maybe the door wasn't ever really open, but it finally kind of got slammed shut on them uh, last week or so, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was a little surprising just in that if you saw some of the other names that were still in contention, be it, you know, Air Force, be it Rice and schools like that, I think that surprised a lot of people. And I think maybe what some people need to understand is that if it was solely based on football merit, they might have they might already be in one. But that's yeah. just not how it goes. And there's a lot of other factors. So I think at least um, I think this, there's a little bit of a surprise. And I was a little bit of a surprise because I did you know, I didn't just I didn't assume that there was going to be like a you know a cut down to 10 and then a cut down to six or whatever um so that was a little surprising that that didn't even make the first cut but um you know i think they're kind of learning now that uh you know that there are certain things that they're going to have to deal with but you know that they were somewhat in the conversation i guess they you know, people were talking about it and i think uh you know i, I think it might prepare them the next next go around however it may be wherever maybe whatever conference that uh Maybe they're better prepared for it. Maybe they know what to expect and, and what these conferences want to see. Because I know Boise State had, you know, they obviously bounced from the Big East, they bounced to the Mountain West, or the WAC rather, to the Mountain West, to the Big East, and then back to the Mountain West. They've kind of, they've migrated a little bit. Do you think there was any sentiment that maybe just stick in the Mountain West for now and, you know, let the chips fall where they may a few years from now when we might see even more conference expansion? Or did... did, did the school really want to try to jump up because I, there's obviously a big uh, TV revenue boost there. Did they they really wanted to get into the Big Twelve this time around? No, I, th- I think it was more more so uh, more so the the former. What you were saying is that um, that they would love. To, I think they'd love obviously love being one of those big conferences, and this just happened to be the one that opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that yeah, maybe that you're right. That you know, I think they're content in the Mountain West. I, I long term, maybe not the greatest thing, but you know, certainly in the next couple of years, they should be totally fine in it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I don't, I don't think they were dying for the Big 12, but just the opportunity was something that was, you know, exciting for them. Let's talk about Boise State more uh, just as a team here uh, coming into this season. Again, a favorite in the Mountain West like we talked about. Uh, it just it seems to be a year-in, year-out thing with them that, you know, Chris Peterson leaves for you, Dub, Brian Harrison picks things up and just kind of carries the torch pretty easily. Uh, the expectations every year to win a uh, Mountain West conference, and I don't think that uh, there's any exception to that this year. They looked every bit the part of it playing uh, my favorite nickname in college, the Raging Cajuns. Uh, they looked every bit the part of it, and I think that that's probably the expectation from everybody for this team by the end of the year is that they're going to win the Mountain West again, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then to go real quick, yeah, I, I got I got a, a fan that lets me a great voicemail thing. Boise State was clearly playing Louisiana Tech, which, um, and I was an idiot for not mentioning that. So I, just wanted to make, <laughs> I, I was glad I made it to the right place, made it to laugh yet. But uh, no, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, I think that, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the expectation here and from the outside. And I think they obviously try to meet that, and that's, that's their standard. But, um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, this group of seniors, they got, so, you know, a really talented group, and these guys have only played in one Mountain West Championship game. So I mm-hmm. think that uh, that's kind of been driving them a bit. And, um, and I think, you know, you know what we saw a little bit Saturday, what they're capable of and what they're capable of in the bowl game, um, that uh, those expectations are there for a reason, that they have a really, really good offense and that their defense has a lot of new guys on it. But they have some talent there, and if they can kind of put that together, then, uh, then certainly they have winning double-digit games should be really almost a given. We'll talk. I want to talk about the defense here in a little bit because there is, you know, I, I think if there's a weakness on this football team, it certainly is the defense, and they're, I think they'll face a better offense than they did last week, obviously against ULL. But um, offensively, I mean, this this team is just a well-oiled machine, and you you feature a quarterback uh, that the name is familiar to Washington State fans, and a lot of them really wanted him at Washington State. I know there were some issues with his family and the school, whatever. But Brett Rippon is every bit what his uncle is and or was, and probably WSU fans aren't used to not having the best quarterback on the field, let alone the best number four on the field. Just how good? It, I mean, he's only a sophomore. Just how good is this kid? Yeah, he's you know, it's the, the hype has been real for him. I know when he came here, I think a lot of people maybe just assumed he would step in right away and play, and he didn't. Um, he didn't get in until Ryan Finley got her last year, and I think. Um, He's met every expectation here and probably exceeded it. You know, I mean, I talked to Kellen Moore about him, and Kellen was like, you know, I redshirted. You know, Brett, Brett didn't do that. He was the first true freshman to play here in 23 years, mm-hmm. and um, and so he, you know, he had, you know, he had an excellent uh, debut. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things that was exciting was that uh, kind of he had this willingness to want to improve. You know, there's certain aspects of his game that he was pretty open about about being better at, whether it was letting go of the ball quicker, uh, throwing the deep ball better, things like that that he's been trying to work on. And um, you know, we saw in the first game, uh, he obviously hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I, and I think that, uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly, uh, you know, just, just you know, impressed everybody from the get-go. And I, and I think that there's still room for improvement for him, too, which is pretty impressive. Uh, offensively for Boise State, I know, uh, you know, we, we obviously get to watch a lot of Boise State games because we're in the same region as Boise State. And... They typically fill that kind of, you know, Thursday night, Friday night uh, games. I know you probably had a lot of Friday nights uh, over at Albertson Stadium over the last few years, but uh, we are at least kind of familiar with them. Uh, but offensively, for folks who may not know, kind of tell us what their offensive philosophy is. I mean, obviously, Brett Rippon's going to throw the ball a lot, but what do they do other than uh, giving the ball to number four and letting him chuck it around the field? Yeah, you know, you know, certainly, uh, you know, what they would try to say is, you know, 
with most offenses, I mean, Washington State being a slight exception, Texas Tech, but they want to, you know, establish the run, yada, yada. But they have, uh, you know, a really, really, really solid running back in Jeremy McNichols, um, the junior. Uh, he, one of the better all-around running backs in the country. Uh, based, you know, he had 50 catches last year, and he ran for 1,300 yards, and mm-hmm. um, he was tied for second in the nation in touchdowns. So they, they try to get, you know, get the ball started with him first, because then obviously what they can do with Brett is opened up more. They can run the play-action stuff like that, and um, they're going to try to do that. And also what's unique about them is that a lot of times they'll use you know, those shifts and those motions. They'll come to the line of scrimmage looking like they're in a certain formation, break out of it, move guys around a little bit, try to use that to, you know, to, you know, take advantage of some mismatches they can try to create. I think that's one of the most unique things. And, you know, a couple of years ago, talking to uh, D'Antonio over at Michigan State, he said, you know, he saw, you know, I think he said he saw like 70 different looks or something like that from the offense. You know, they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't necessarily run a ton of plays. So that, that's going to be what's really interesting. And one of the things that's going to be, always tough to prepare for for defenses offensively i know uh chris peterson's kind of calling card at boise state was trick plays he liked to run or not necessarily trick but you know mr like you said misdirection and he liked uh to to get receivers to throw the football running backs to throw the football whatever you can think of he's still doing that a little bit at washington much to all of our consternation over here uh (laughs) but i you know just looking at the box score last week you had a wide receivers throwing the football you had a running back throwing the football that's still a thing under Brian Harrison, then, isn't it? Because he, he worked for Chris Peterson, so I assume that would also continue something defenses need to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I always laughed when you know when Pete was here. I'm, I brought it up, the trick plays, and he goes, you know, here we just call them plays, which I thought was pretty funny. But, yeah, well, yeah, whatever, Chris. All right, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, Harrison was the, uh, he was the OC when, uh, when they won, won the Fiesta Bowl and all those, you know, all those kind of gadget plays, you know, that he – he was he was one of the masterminds behind that, and um, they try to do that again. Obviously, yeah. Uh, Thomas Burbeck, wide receiver, had a 48-yard touchdown to McNichols uh, at Louisiana. They have another receiver in Cedric Wilson, who was a high school quarterback and was actually recruited to junior college to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of guys who can throw the ball around, and that that's obviously something that defenses have to just keep in the back of their minds because they're gonna they're gonna spring it almost every game. They're gonna at least try something like that at least once a game. Defensively for Boise State, uh, I, you know, I mean, the offense is so good. I, you know, hard not to have a, or, you know, hard to have a unit better than that. But defensively for Boise State, I know uh, defending the air raid is always kind of a unique challenge for teams. Some teams seem to figure it out really easily; other teams don't. Um, is this a, a unit that you think is good against defending the pass, or is this uh, a defense that might need a little help on on Saturday from their offense scoring enough points to kind of keep WSU at bay? Yeah, I, I think I think they might need a little bit of help. You know, to be honest, they have um, they have two safeties uh, at, at Louisiana who were making their first career starts. One of them was playing his first career game, and so um, we mentioned that about the defensive backfield. That's always uh, an interesting uh, you know proposition when you're playing against the Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, when their corners, Tyler Horton was making his first start. He's a really really talented kid, but that was his first start. And so um, you know, I, I think yeah, you know, certainly there's still question marks about it because it's a whole different beast going from Louisiana to play in Washington State. So mm-hmm. I think some of it remains to be seen about what you know, what they can handle. Cause the defensive backfield, they had you know, two guys last year who are now in the New York Giants. So I think you know, losing that kind of, that kind of talent, uh, definitely uh, you know, a passing team, that, that, that's going to be a question mark still that's yet to be answered, I think. Their schedule uh, for this year, Dave, uh, just looking up and down it, uh, I mean, you know, the Mountain West will be pretty decent again. They do play BYU on a short week uh, in October after playing Colorado State. But I, I guess to me, this this, this kind of feels like the game 
for Boise State if they want to make sure they get into a BCS Bowl because I, I, I do think Washington State's still better than a lot of Mountain West teams. I hope, please God, they're still better than a lot of Mountain West teams. Um, but th- this kind of seems like a game they really need to win if they want to make sure at the end of the year that they can convince the voters and convince Bulls that, yes, they deserve to be in a BCS Bowl, get an at-large bid to a BCS Bowl again, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they always do have one of those games, you know, against a, you know, a Power 5 school. And I know they still play Oregon State on the road this year, but I certainly think that Washington State will be a better team. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of need need those big wins. You know, in the past they've had them, you know, against schools, you know, Oregon, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Georgia, schools like that. And so, you know, you look at look at the, the schedule, yeah, you know, Washington State's certainly the best non-conference opponent they're going to play and maybe even the best team they might play this year. So, mm-hmm. they, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's certainly, if that, if that's going to be a possibility, you know, winning it uh, Saturday is going to be uh, monumental. Boise State, uh, again, another really good team this year. Dave Southern from the Idaho Statesman covers them, and he gets the honor of looking at that blue turf uh, every week. And no, How many ducks have died there recently, Dave? Because, I mean, I, I just saw earlier this summer, I think it was Brian Harrison tweeted out that, like, there were more ducks just sitting on the field again this yeah, year. You know, I, I've seen my a fair share of geese just kind of being near it. In the river's right here, so they tend to land there. But some are kind of wandering around. And um, I think you know, Pete. You know, Pete one time saw a duck that was dead on it, but who knows if it was trying to land. <laughs> and uh, but but other than that, I haven't heard too much about it. So no. um, I, th- I think they're colorblind, anyways. But I don't know. Oh, okay, Whatever. well <laughs> then then they have something in common with me. I can't I can't see the blue turf. <laughs> Dave Southern for the Idaho Statesman. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Our thanks to Dave Southern of the Idaho Statesman. Dave Southern's his name, not how I was saying it earlier, but the editing in the opening is going to be too hard to edit out, so I apologize to Dave for mispronouncing his name at first. He's a good egg, so I'm sure he won't mind too terribly much. Uh, Dunderhead of the Week time. Uh, As you know, or as I think I told you at the beginning, I was in North Carolina visiting family uh, this last week, and we flew home on Tuesday evening from Raleigh, uh, and... I, I don't know what it is about airports that just brings out the absolute worst behavior in people. The worst. Standard issue on, uh, you know, getting onto an airplane is, you got a little kid, you need a little extra time to get on the plane, you need a little extra time to get on the plane. Totally get it. Kids are a pain to get on the plane, especially with all the, you know, accoutrement you have, your stroller, uh... Car seat, baby bag, whatever else, and just the kid itself, right? I get it. Totally get it. My problem comes when a woman and her husband are so oblivious to that happening, and I can see them sitting 
a few yards from us in the terminal when the Alaska Airlines attendant, by the way, thank you, based Alaska, for that direct flight to Raleigh from Seattle. When you hear the call once, then the other, you know, the MVP goal, you know, whatever else, you know, the 92 other things they get through before they actually start boarding the plane. Then you wait for that plane to get up, and then you get up and hit a woman with your stroller at the front and say, you need to get out of my way. I have a baby. And then get to the end of the jetway and block everyone from getting onto the aircraft. Because you're taking forever to get your stuff separated with the guy down at the bottom and you want it done your particular way and he's not doing it your particular way and these people will wait for you to get on the aircraft. That's why they ask you to get on the plane early. And I saw you sitting there reading your book and you could have gotten on the plane a little early. The Dunderhead of the Week has just evolved into basically me and my personal life issues with people in it. I don't care. I can't really think of another Dunderhead, and you know we don't get political on this because I'm, I'm absolutely not going to do that. But I, I, I just, I couldn't hardly but think of one. And this woman just provided the fodder for me. And luckily she wasn't sitting next to me on the airplane. I'm not sure how she acted on the aircraft, but I'm sure it wasn't much better. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael anything. I notice we get fewer questions for this after a loss. Hmm. N8 at Nate Cause. What's the best brewery in Boise I need to visit this weekend? You know, I'm not too up and hip on the breweries in Boise. Uh, it looks like Ten Barrel does have a brew pub in Boise, though, so that would probably, I would say you need to hit that up because I love Ten Barrel beer. I love their, uh, I cannot remember for the life of me what their winter seasonal is, but it is, it is my favorite. It is, it is probably my favorite, uh, seasonal beer, uh, that is made in, in any, in any, by any brewery. Pray for snow, that's what it's called. Thank you very much. Also, you got Boise Brewing Company, that looks to be a good one as well. I'm just, I'm not a big expert on this. But we do try to help you out here on the Kooks and I are regardless of our expertise. That should also be a very well-known thing about this show. At K Lockins, Keith Lockins, who, by the way, lives in Kailua, Hawaii. You lucky son of a gun. Have a 12-hour shift Saturday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Do I lose some sleep for the Kooks? 4.30 start in Hawaii or avoid the letdown. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be up. I'm going to be up. Yeah, I, I would probably say up. I, I also worked those brutal overnight shifts for a time uh, in my life, and uh, I, I just stayed up and watched the game because I, I didn't want to regret not seeing it, just in case something wacky happens, just in case something crazy happens. But also, you're young. You know, the old saying, you can sleep when you're dead, that type of thing. At S. Olin 820, Sarah Olin, if you had to compare last weekend's game to a sandwich, what would it be? The sandwich questions on this show I'm loving so very much. It combines my two favorite things, answering questions on this segment and sandwiches. Um, probably that, what's that sandwich at Subway where they put the bologna and um, where like, it's like the three meat, um, the three meat, I gotta look this up now. 
It's like the three gross meats that I always bought in college because it was only $5, but it, it is not very good. The cold cut combo. That's what it is. That thing is just... On their official site, are you a meat lover? Then love this. One bite of this delicious deli meats and you'll be addicted. I, I disagree with that so very much. So very much. Uh, Boise State, 45. Washington State, 21. I just... I don't have a lot of confidence in it this weekend, guys. We'll see you next week on the Cooks Channel. We're talking about the Idaho Vandals. That should be a much better football game for Washington State for sure.